For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? So, uh, hi. Uh, my name is, uh, I, I will introduce myself as Huber. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm also a Utah farmer. I run a bean farm. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not successful. Why not? The beans have yet to sprout. <laughs> oh, but the seeds, yes, the seeds have been purchased and they have been planted, but I too have seen uh, some activity in the area. Yeah? Um, I saw these, uh, these uh, it seemed to be a, a, a floating light. It was a floating light. Uh-huh. Um, I knew this was coming from my wife's bedroom, uh, our master bedroom. <laughs> okay. And I come home from a long day just staring at these bean patches. <laughs> right. And I go into into our master bedroom and I see um, there's a form on top of my wife. <laughs> right. And they explained to me that he had come from outer space. Oh. <laughs> they explained together. I knew then. Aliens are coming from Mars to have sex with our plane wives. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that's not good. I'm sorry, buddy. Welcome beans to the last. Grow. I know. Well, the beans gotta grow. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks, who's wearing the same shirt that I have today. Oh yes, hello, Ben. How are you? Very good. And speaking of t-shirts, Henry Zabrowski has chose to avoid one today. I uh, have you are a not meeting. wearing a t-shirt. No one can I... see you other than Marcus and I. Um, so your sweater is in. Full, wonderful mm. Christmas condition. And uh, sadly... thank you so much for gracing us with your weird oh, nipples. It's just, God, my hair is getting so long on it my is shoulders. It's getting yeah. so long. Your hair has been long since you were an infant on your shoulders specifically. I look like I, look like I have Bernie Sanders sitting on my shoulder like a parrot. <laughs> It's sticking out both sides. But no, I have a meeting after this, not to brag. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have a big Hollywood meeting, and I hate sweating through my clothes before I arrive. Interesting. Mm. A big mm. Hollywood audition for Henry Zabrowski. And I don't <laughs> want to speak on a turn, but I'm going to say this. There's no way you don't get it. No. There is no Wait. way you're not cast. No way. I tell you what, I got my knee pads and I got my shushum lips. You good. know what I mean? That's good. All right, everyone. Uh, today, I mean, honestly, the response to these episodes have been incredible over oh, yeah. to the last episode. So we're on the Skinwalker Ranch Part 2. I want to thank everyone who shot us an email. And we'll continue to read some on side stories uh, coming up next week because we got so many. Oh, yeah. Now, as we said last episode, Dr. Salisbury contacted the man known as Tom Gorman upon writing the second edition of the Utah UFO display in 2009 in the hopes that Tom might shed some light on what really happened on Skimwalker Ranch compared to the claims made 
in the book Hunt for the Skinwalker. Hmm. You guys should really read the re- the rework or the redo of the Utah UFO display. The w- What's the term for that when they redo a book? I mean, it's redo, rewrite. Rewrite. Second yeah. edition. Yeah. Second edition. Yeah. <laughs> right. You should really read that because I love his perspective on the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. yeah. And of course, there was another book, and if you do read that, it's really entirely different. It's called Search for the Skin Flute. <laughs> and that's actually about a man discovering for the first time. Because they seem to find the skin flute like six or seven times, and each encounter lasts about 25 minutes. It's quite weird, quite bizarre. Well, in the conversation that Dr. Salisbury had with Tom Gorman, Gorman said that while some of the stories involving his family are embellished, and some of the stories, as they're told in Hunt for the Skimwalker, only resemble the actual events, none of those stories are outright fabrications. Hmm. According to quote-unquote Tom Gorman. Tom Gorman, whose real name we absolutely know. It has been printed elsewhere. And we've been said that time again. George Knapp always says that if you want to find it, you can find it. But we here, we respect the witnesses. I love it. Yeah, yeah, Gorman it is. I like Gorman too. Yeah, it's a nice name. Furthermore, it bears mention that Tom Gorman had no idea that a book was going to be written about his experiences when he shared them with the co-author of The Hunt for the Skimwalker, Colm Kelleher. Wait, so the guy was just talking to this other dude be like... Why do you have your ink pen and, and your why do you have your why do you have your quill out and your in your vest? I just love to keep my diary active. Oh, interesting. Colm had a wonderful he's got a wonderful little lilt. He's got a wonderful little accent. I love hearing him on coast to coast AM. Yes. So he didn't know that he was being documented. He did not. Interesting. And this fact tells us something important about Tom Gorman. He was not in this for a cut of the cash. He did not make up this story. In fact, Tom Gorman is on record as saying that he fucking hates science fiction. I hate laces. I hate laces. Oh, if there's gonna be a bullet coming out of a gun, I want it to be dug out of the ground. I wanna see. I wanna see what damage I do with my musket. You know, life is so bizarre like that. He hates science fiction, becomes one of the stars of the largest science fiction story, one of the largest science fiction stories in the world. You know, genuinely... Uh, uh, uh. Science fact. Science fact. I'm sorry. You know, interestingly enough, I saw an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis of Halloween fame. She doesn't like horror movies. No, isn't that crazy? Well, yeah. she. This is that's a bit. That's like an interview <laughs> bit. She doesn't quote unquote like horror movies, so that she gets a fun little push and pull. But she's been very well paid by horror. Movies. Oh, I think that she has liked the genre overall. Yeah, I will say upon reading the upon reading the MUFON training manual, mm-hmm. and it's a very funny the way they talk about talking to witnesses. Like the number one thing. It says it's just being like remember when you're on television you can keep your glasses on it's their <laughs> job to light around your glasses do not be concerned but one of the things it says is that like when talking to witnesses make sure you state by no fact as clear as possible you will not make money from telling me about your UFO experiences, as a matter of fact, it will probably ruin your life. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like in writing. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, at least they're upfront about it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, all Tom Gorman cared about was stopping whatever it was that was happening on his ranch so he and his family could get on with their lives and make some money in the cattle business. Mm. Tom Gorman just wanted help. Oh, man, there's nothing sadder than a sentence, I just want to be a cattleman. <laughs> I just want to be alone with my calves. And I'm not talking about my legs. <laughs> Quit looking at my legs. But before we get into the investigation that followed Tom's request for assistance, 
We're going to spend today's entire episode focused solely on the experiences of the Gormans before the scientists and investigators even showed up. Woo! Very nice. And yes, these stories are second-hand accounts, but what follows in episode three will be first-hand accounts from scientists and researchers that support some of the claims that the Gormans made. USA! USA! <laughs> USA! 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 Um, but that's some of the claims, and we're going to really get into this, because I'm now putting my MUFON goggles as we Whoa. talk about this whole topic. And I remember, and I didn't bring my identification card, which is unfortunate, because technically each beginning encounter of a MUFON investigation has to begin with you presenting your investigation <laughs> ID and, and stating your number to be uh, everyone. And you also are supposed to, if you talk to a witness, they must have another witness with them over the age of 18 to make sure that everything that you do is proper. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, Henry, say I'm a UFO. Like, I've seen a UFO, and I've called up MUFON, and you come on out. How are you going to approach me? I'll be his witness. <laughs> Hi, hello. Huge witness you have here. One of the bigger yeah, witnesses I've seen. That's a little seen. offensive, Marcus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we can trust this guy. Hi, my name is Henry Zabrowski, VIP MUFON investigator, number 27093. Um, tell me what seems to be the problem. Well, first thing we have to do is uh, show me the area. Uh, where you saw the object. I saw it right over here, right behind my house, and uh, that clearing right above the corn. Yep. Okay, let me get my temperature laser machine. Here <laughs> we go. Taking a look at the temperature laser Marcus, machine. Marcus, he's going to pop the corn. He's going to ruin our So did this object kill you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was only a sighting. Only a sighting. I'm gonna have to come back in 72 hours. <laughs> All right, and that is true. And that is That's true. Legit. Unless the object, the, the sighting must be handled immediately if the person is dead. That is in the manual. <laughs> but if it's just a sighting, it's 72 hours. All right, very cool. Uh, now it is understandable if some of these stories that we tell today sound completely outlandish, even impossible. But as one story builds upon another and one witness turns into several, a picture will begin to emerge. Think of it this way. A pigeon might land on a newspaper on a New York City street. Mm -hmm. And even though the pigeon will recognize the newspaper as an object, it will never be able to understand its contents or even the concept of news. I'm just saying that if a pigeon ever lands on a newspaper and looks up to me and he just goes... Trump's collusion. I'll stomp at the That <laughs> sounds like Yoda. We have, I mean, that's so sad for a pigeon, though. It'll never understand how great the puns are on the New York Post, especially when Anthony Weiner is on the cover. Weiner pops out. Weiner pops out was this week. He's back on the streets. Weiner oh puns nonstop. God. It's too fun. I have got to get some adhesive for my sides reading the New York Post, man. <laughs> But just because the pigeon can't understand the wider purpose of the object on which it is standing does not mean that the New York Post does not exist. Mm. All it means is that the only meaningful interaction the pigeon is going to have with the Post is that the pigeon might get startled when the wind blows the pages open. Ooh. Yeah, and take a big shit on it. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's get into the story of Tom, Ellen, Tad, and Kate Gorman, as they're called in the book, and begin to explore the two-year-long nightmare of their Skimwalker Ranch tenure. This shit gets, honestly, it gets really creepy. Yeah. I hope what you're doing right now, and this is true, it's like, I hope you're in a good, quiet place. This is a really good material for being in a quiet, dark place. Like, you're waiting for an ex inside of their car. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, where you're, sure. you're camped out in well, somebody's home you're not supposed to be in. You're sitting here listening to Bad to do. Bad to do. Just, 
just get very creeped out. Well, just let her very go. Good. <laughs> I say let her go. She actually found love. You don't need to be the the weird guy with crutches from something about Mary. Um, so as we said at the top of the first episode, Skimwalker Ranch is host to just about every kind of paranormal activity you can name. And that includes poltergeist activity. Mm. And it started off small, happening mostly to Ellen, the wife, following the incident with the wolf. Kitchen utensils and food would mysteriously go missing, then turn up in odd areas of the house, like the fridge, freezer, or oven. Sometimes that poltergeist is called late-night bourbon, and I've done it to myself. <laughs> I know. I wake up. I, I have actually been great this week. Uh, the last room on the left, Henry mocked me when I said I was going to drink 70% less because I got my vape for yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah. And I have. Yeah, oh, good. And so I have not woken up to any chips Potato chips in the toilet? There's nothing in the back. Because I wake up, I sleep eat, and I sit on the toilet. You are doing this in your... Wait a second. You're doing this in your own fucking home, too? Well, yeah. Were you putting chips in the toilet? You're putting food in the fucking toilet? No, I, it, some drop in there. Some drop in there from the what mouth. What are you doing? How are you eating I chips? don't know. I, this isn't... Yeah, that happened in Chicago. I didn't realize yes. that you couldn't flush them. I was trying Jesus to clean Christ. up the hotel room because this I feel guilty. This is scarier guilty. than any ghost story I've no, ever it's not. heard. Everyone does it. A lot of people do that. I've never done it. I don't know. A lot of people haven't done what you do Well, a lot of people support me on that. Listen to some of this other phenomena. Salt and pepper shakers would switch their contents back and forth so often that the Gormans took to shaking a little bit in their palm before they seasoned their food to see what was actually inside. Salt to pepper, pepper to salt. Oh my gosh. Jesus Christ. Then the doors and cabinets started opening and closing of their own accord, which seemed to solve the mystery of the deadbolts that the Gormans had found upon their arrival to the home. Oh. These small events could certainly be attributed to the two teenagers playing tricks but events began to transpire on a level far beyond that explanation. One day, Ellen was alone at the house and had just transferred a large load of newly bought groceries from the kitchen table to the cabinets. It's a strange way to call it a load of groceries. <laughs> uh, I don't really like the... Uh, the a load? A I load of groceries? Yeah, bring a load of groceries. Bring in a load of that's groceries? My, that's my word. Okay. <laughs> I, I never really... I described it that way. It's a load, load of groceries. Bags of groceries. It's totally fun. Bags, load. No, you got a load. It's just... Load is also a... Anyway. <laughs> well, she'd left the kitchen for just a few moments, but when she returned... All of the groceries she just put away were back on the kitchen table, and it had all been done without a sound. Cool. This sounds like Poltergeist. It sounds like the movie Poltergeist with mm-hmm. the chairs. When mm-hmm. she'd leave the room and come back and all the chairs in formation. This is very common with Poltergeist activity. Where people go, because it's that trickster energy. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, so this is the, is it this entity just sort of warming up? Being like, yeah, ah, if I can move this, maybe mm-hmm. I can. Yep. So inching towards. Huh? Very small things at first. Okay. And it wasn't just Ellen who experienced these trickster-like incidents. Tom had been working in the pasture one day and had left a post hole digger laying on the ground while he went back to his truck for a wrench. But when he came back just a couple minutes later, the post hole digger was gone. Whoa! And from what I've read about Tom, I can just imagine this fucking action because it seems like he's highly irritable. Yes. Um, he is constantly going for the gun. He shoots at these things more often than not. Like when they, the way he talks about how how often he's shooting at orbs and shit. Like he was he was popping off sometimes. Wow! So imagine him. He's out there and the fucking because this is a seventy pound tool. Right. This is a huge thing. Oh yeah! Because of him going. Argh! 
goddamn <laughs> right. Zeppelins. You goddamn Zeppelins from Mars. Yeah. But at first the, he thought it was the kids. Yeah. Right, of course. He's a little Yosemite Sam there, mm-hmm. freaking out, clicking his heels in anger. Yeah, and he didn't see the implement again for weeks until it reappeared 20 feet above his head, resting in a tree. I So far, I really like this ghost. You like that? Why do you I like think, it? It's a I pain it's in funny. the ass. It's funny. <laughs> you take your load of groceries, you put them away, and then you come back, and they're all out again, and then this I guy just, lost a, a pole uh, thing. Post-hole digger. A post-hole digger. It just digger. seems more and more, it's just you doing all this shit in camouflage. She's just, <laughs> just hanging yeah. out on this game walk around, she's with a BL between your knees, going like, Got him again. Got him again. Now I have a question for you. You yeah, sure? Can ghosts laugh? Are you George Nori? I'm asking because this seems comical. <laughs> well, other tools went missing as well. Water hoses would disappear, then be found in strange places, always coiled into a neat circle three or four feet in diameter. Shovels would disappear. Irrigation pipes would be open and closed with no tire tracks or footprints to tell who'd done it. Mm. And having personally done this type of work alone in a wide expanse of land with not a soul around for miles, I can only imagine how both terrifying and absolutely aggravating mm. this entire experience must have been. Just this guy with just fucking chunks out of his hat from him biting it. Like him just like, oh, God, son of a bitch. How many times he's grabbing a hammer and just flinging it into the fucking forest. And I can't stand this damn shit. See, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> oh, maybe it's just because Henry's doing it, but you think he was more aggravated or more scared? I think more aggravated. Yeah. But perhaps the most infuriating and at the same time disturbing poltergeist activity of this sort happened to Tom's son, Tad. Tad isn't his real name. Tad is just what they called him in Hunt for the Skimwalker for Thank some reason. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> well, one day, Tad and his friends were tasked with moving about 200 metal poles used to build corrals from the front yard to another location. But when Tom showed back up that afternoon to make sure the job had been done, he found that the poles were right where they were when he left that morning. He found his son, asked him why the job hadn't been done, but the boys swore they'd spent all morning moving the pipes. Hmm. You might say, boys just hadn't done the job and were blaming their laziness on the poltergeist. Mm -hmm. You could easily say that. Yeah, could be. But while the poles were in the same area... They were not quite in their original spot because you could see the original depressions in the ground where the poles had been in the first place. Hmm. And again, having done work exactly like this in the past, there's no way in hell that a bunch of ranch working teenagers would have moved 200 poles weighing between 25 and 100 pounds each from one spot to another, then back again, just as a goof on dad. Yeah, because you just didn't have to do the whole fucking thing again. Yeah. And you're probably not going to get paid for the second time that you did it. Oh, you think Poltergeist paid- or not? Do you I, think he paid the kids? I bet he paid him for the first time. Bet he didn't pay him for the second. Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. And the poltergeist is just <laughs> another lost job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's it's interesting stuff here. He's lifting heavy uh, heavy equipment and heavy. Yeah, I mean, this is gigantic things okay. that are being moved here. There was something terribly strange going on at the ranch, and it was only about to get weirder with the arrival of what's known in South America as a chupa, not to be confused with a chupacabra. Okay. They're also sometimes called the chupa chupa, which literally means sucker sucker. <laughs> really? Um, and it is. it was a wave of Brazilian UFO sightings that happened in 1977, and it was documented by Jacques Vallée in a book called Confrontations. 
mm. um, about these things they called chupa chupas, which were these essentially look like RVs made out of porcelain that would float over pe- these areas and zap people with like flashlights. Essentially, these they would go out and people would be so entranced by the light coming out of these things they would like get out of their car they'd see one example was a woman saw it come up it's floating in front of her in front of the road she got out of her car was so entranced by it and the light hit her from like a big spotlight and it gave her a sunburn oh and basically it turned out she was suffering from radiation poisoning her fucking hair fell out and all sick so basically it's this weird strain of ufos that are also able to hurt you Interesting. You know, I learned this on a flight recently. It's not really funny or anything, but I thought it was fascinating. I was talking to a flight attendant waiting for this really old man to get out of the bathroom, so we had a long time to talk. (laughs) Apparently, stewardesses and stewards have a higher chance of cancer because they get more radiation because they're closer to the sun. Wow. Did not know that, but she told me that. Yeah, that's a little tidbit. I mean, totally nothing to do with the story, but I did have a (laughs) tidbit of information. Thank you for for the contribution. (laughs) Thank you. So the arrival of this craft was preceded by Tom's city boy nephew, Dave. Dave had been sent down to the ranch for a toughen-up visit, but instead <laughs> had spent the... That is, that is the is, worst visit. Can you imagine this? <laughs> oh, you, yeah. are, you are supposed to be in tap camp, right? It's like his job. It's like, yeah, I was supposed to go to Salt Lake for a tap camp, but instead they're sending me to the Sherman Ranch to just sort of like, you know, they said they want me to, to see what dirt is. <laughs> and then you show up at Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, my God. It's not even, it's not a normal ranch. It no. is the most haunted, fucked up place in the world. Jesus. Yeah, tough them up by uh, scaring the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that happens all the time. Like, yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard like an old ranch say, like, you send them down, you get them work for me for about two weeks, and we'll see if that boy's still going to be bad. So that's just what they molest you or something. You're like, this did not do anything for me. Can you just, it's just him going, oh, <laughs> about these poles. <laughs> they, they are just so heavy. What if instead we get the town together and do a fundraiser musical? That's perfect. Maybe do babes in arms great little play well instead of getting toughened up dave spent the entire time at skimwalker ranch exhausted and terrified Mm. (laughs) (laughs) one night tom who knew dave was afraid of the dark forced dave and tad to take a stroll outdoors at dusk so they could all appreciate the splendor of nature because tom knew freaky shit was happening at night and i remember this but he loved night walks so much yeah. that he refused to give it up and he, mm. like and everyone said at the same time too the the neighbors ended up being like you shouldn't be out here at night weird shit happens not even just like the ufo's and ghosts and shit there's like animals and like stuff you then right. like you should be careful and tom's like i like walking <laughs> no troopers no can tell me i can't walk on my land. <laughs> okay. But just as night was falling, Tom spotted the lights of what looked like an RV in the distance. Now, Tom had already been dealing with trespassing hunters, mm. so he and the two teenagers started making their way towards the RV to tell the poachers to get the hell on out of there. Get out of here! His poor kid has to go on a fucking recon mission <laughs> with his <laughs> uncle Tom, who is got already got a rifle in his hand, being like, we're going to chase these poachers out of here, little boy. <laughs> and he's just like, I was supposed to be in band camp. Oh, my God. Well, poaching's a real serious problem. It's, get out of here. It's a huge problem. That's get the hell on out of yeah, here. Absolutely. But just as they approached the vehicle, it started going in the other direction, as if it knew they were coming, even though the Gormans were too far away to be seen by whoever was inside. Furthermore, 
Tom couldn't make out any engine noises as the vehicle sped away, and the lights of whatever it was weren't bumping around like an RV driving on rough ground should have been. So Tom and the boys gave chase, but were even more puzzled when they witnessed the lights move smoothly up and over something in the distance. Once they got to the spot, they realized that the vehicle was somehow lifting itself over the fence lines. Finally, though, the vehicle reached the end of the property, where a grove of trees would make it impossible to pass through. Tom thought they finally had the vehicle trapped, but then something extraordinary happened. The lights slowly ascended into the air, climbing smoothly and slowly to the top of the tree line, some 50 feet high. And as it rose, they were finally able to see that they'd been chasing an oblong object shaped like a large fridge. Uncle Tom, refrigerators are supposed to be in the kitchen. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) My goodness, let's go plan that fun play and bring the community (laughs) together, shall we? That's what I would do if I was Tom. And as they watched, the craft silently disappeared over the horizon. Now, by this point, City Boy Dave was so terrified, he'd started crying. And he went home the next day. Now, when you say City Boy, are we talking like a dude who comes from a town of like 3,000 people? Because I don't know, like, what's a City Boy by by Skinwalker Ranch standards? Honestly, it sounds like it was like Salt Lake City. Okay. These are more, because remember, they're Mormons. Oh, right, of course. The craft that they saw that night was only the first of many that would visit Skinwalker Ranch during their tenure as owners. The next one Tom saw was about 30 to 40 feet long and hovered silently only about 20 feet off the ground. Mm. Tom said that it was shaped like a snub-nosed hybrid of a stealth fighter and a B-2 bomber, and it was covered in small, multicolored lights that scanned the ground below. Tom said that it was obviously looking for something, then it just disappeared. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. 
From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Live from your grave. I mean, this stuff's very surreal. Cool. Because it's a part of the dream imagery that's wrapped into UFO sightings. Because that's what they said it looked like. It looked like a fucking bad copy of a plane that was this form. And like, these are no-nonsense people. And they're out there just watching this shit, scan their land, while he's got a rifle on his fucking knee, and they are just like, uh, they're... We'll get into it, but they are both horrified and transfixed. So there's two of them or three of them out there? There's just two of them? There's two of them, and then there are two kids. Although the daughter never shows up once, as far as witnesses go, in the book, The Hunt for the Skinwalker Ranch. Although I also don't know how old the daughter actually was. Okay. Like, Tad was the only one, uh, as far as I know, that saw anything. Uh, But Kate might have been too young. I'm not sure. And Ellen also saw this stuff. A few weeks after Tom saw the scanner, a large black triangular object kept pace with Ellen's car as she was driving towards the homestead. Again, the craft made no noise, even though it was only about 20 feet away. Then, about an hour later, after Ellen was back at home, she said she looked out her window and saw what appeared to be another RV. But this time, she was able to clearly see the object. She said it was brightly lit, and through the windows of the object, she could see a large black figure sitting behind what looked like a desk. Then the figure got up and walked outside. By the measures of a regular RV, Ellen said that the figure must have been at least seven feet tall, wearing a black visor over his face and knee-high boots, and he was staring right Honestly, it sounds like me when I go to Las Vegas. I'm going to get my green visor. If I wear a mask, no one can see me. Is that the idea? That if I wear a cover of my face, I can do everything anonymously? Stay focused. Yeah. A part of what's hinted at, but not fully fleshed out in Skinwalker Ranch, is that also Skinwalker Ranch has a fucking vibe. Yeah, right? right. Like it has a there, especially for people that seem to be keyed into whatever the fuck it is that's happening over there. When they, Ellen, even more so than Tom, was almost emotionally in, confronted mm. by what was happening on the ranch. So this shit was like she saw this thing. She said because at first she sees this object and she's like, "What is? What's this thing doing on our land? There's an RV parked in our land." Right, and then she looks in, and through she could see in the door of it that this figure stand up, walk out, and look at her, and she's like, "I am about to be a victim of something. Right. This thing is fucking staring at me. It's clocking me. I don't know what the fuck it is." So immediately, because Tom was out of town, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Did they talk about this as, like as a couple? Were they just like laying in bed and be like, "Yeah, so, yeah, let's talk about what we have to, the grocery shopping for tomorrow. The aliens were seeing." Well, what it started at the poltergeist activity. They didn't tell each other about it. At they first, did. no, they didn't, because Ellen thought she was losing her mind. She wasn't telling anyone about it, because she had the incident with all the groceries. Uh, she said that she knew that she had put up all those groceries. She's like, it wasn't, it wasn't any sort of like mental lapse. But she thought, well, maybe I'm losing my mind. I don't right. know. So she wasn't telling Tom about any of this shit. It wasn't until the post hole digger went missing that Tom came and said, like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And she said, 
this shit's been happening to me too. Well, because but, and then so brought them together a little bit. Brought them together. Because remember what they said, right? The first thing that happened was that wolf shit. Yeah. And whether, right. like, a lot of the details were more, uh, obviously far more grandiose in Hunt for the Skinwalker. But if, you, if just the bare facts would seem to be true, is that this giant fucking creature showed up, docile enough to pet, they petted it, and then it attacked their animals and then disappeared into, they shot it a couple of times, and then it just fucking disappeared. So they were all like, Tom was very much like, I'm not cottoning to any of this alien skinwalker mojo bimbo bullshit <laughs> because he's trying to make money off his cattle. So they were right. pushing this conversation for a long time. Well, the night that the RV incident happened, as Henry said, like, Ellen was at home totally alone. Tom was out of town. The kids were at a friend's house. So Ellen called up Tom and told him, get home immediately. There's someone on our land. So Tom drove all night and arrived back at home the next morning. The object was long gone by the time Tom got there, but when they went out to the spot where it had been, they found gigantic footprints about 18 inches long, smooth with a rounded heel, unlike anything they'd ever seen. That's cool. So no matter what, this dude did drive all night long to get there. Yeah. So people are like, it's not real. Well, it's real enough. It's real enough for him to come home, yeah. But you see, right, there was no tracks of the object. Yeah, there's. It's a very interesting. If you are already with us and you already are kind of believe in phenomena and believe in these types of the, the these witness accounts, right? It's like this concept of that it leaves just the tiniest little trace of like, yep, it was real. Good luck explaining it to anybody. Like yeah. you didn't get. There's no tire tracks. There's no anything else. So everything else is horseshit. We wanted you to just know just enough that right. we, Yeah, we're here and we're watching your wife. Oh my goodness, please don't do that. I don't even watch my wife. <laughs> oh, you know, after you've been married for as long as, as we have, we just laugh about stuff like that. <laughs> Some would say, oh, you're not being very nice. And then I say, Is this oh. going to be a mo- the monologue you do to the mannequins alone in your one-bedroom apartment when you're 75 years old? <laughs> oh, I don't even look at my wife. And then they'll be like... Yeah, it'll be like the movie Maniac, but I don't kill anyone. It's actually worse. <laughs> I just tell horrible jokes. Now, you might say it's crazy that the Gormans were seeing all of this when the couple that preceded them, the Myers, had, according to their brother Garth, never seen anything. But there is eyewitness testimony that says the craft was seen at the next ranch over, at the very least. A Mr. Gonzalez, who owned said ranch, said that he'd seen a sombrero UFO flying over his home. Your classic dome on a disc. I love it. While the Myers owned Skinwalker Ranch. Can we call it a sombrero UFO from now on? It's so much more fun and festive. Yeah, some, that's that's the te- that's the technical term. Is that the technical term? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I love I, it. It's weird. It's more, it's Mexican hat. Yes. They always say Mexican hat for some reason instead of sombrero. Uh, Ah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. They do always say Mexican hat. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say sombrero UFO is a lot more fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it makes me feel like, you know, they came to this world offering a fiesta. That (laughs) sounds fun. Fun, yeah. Just Bud Light Lime shooting out of sight of it. You remember McKissel? You remember (laughs) your favorite No, I don't. I never actually had it before. (laughs) By the way, we know Brooke was the one drinking it, and you put my my face on her, which is disgusting, and then you're like, no, I don't know. Haunt me for a but, long uh, time now. It's interesting. Also, within the MUFON manual, it says to never use actual UFO jargon at witnesses. Never say flap. Never say like any of this, any sort of cylindrical. Like, don't talk about the the way things appear or any of that kind of stuff because it distances yourself from the main public. <laughs> I see. <laughs> what, what is the flap? What is the flap? 
A flap is when a lot of UFO sightings happen all I at once. Covered this last That's week. called a flap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's called a flap. A lot of people say flap. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, on another occasion, Mr. Gonzalez and his family saw a silvery disc fly directly into Skimwalker Ridge. But not only was there no crash, but there was no sound at all. It was as if the craft had just been absorbed into the rock. And again, this was while the Myers were there. This was before the Gormans got there. Oh. Now, some people in the area posit that over the years, the Myers did indeed experience all of the phenomena, or at least some of the phenomena, that the Gormans endured. But the Myers may have learned to just live with it. Hence the deadbolts. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I think I would just live with it. Well, it's even possible that the Myers had made a sort of peace with the phenomena, or even learned to enjoy it. For example, mm. on one occasion, Tom and Ellen were faced with a silver-colored disc about 30 feet in diameter hovering over Skimwalker Ridge. But that time, instead of fear, they said that they both felt an unnatural elation. Oh, cool. In fact, Gorman told Dr. Salisbury that when the phenomena wasn't terrifying, it was deeply moving on a spiritual level. No, so, some of this shit sounds like the. It literally makes you trip balls. Yeah, it sounds They're like They're out it. in a field. Because imagine seeing something like that. I mean, like, you're a cattle man, right? You don't. You don't cotton to none of this bullshit. You don't read the fancy, dancy city saucer man books. Right. You're just out in a field seeing this disc. And they. It, they're, they talk about all times. So they, they has a communication. And you're sitting right. there watching this stuff, just like fingering your rifle, being like. I wish I could destroy it if it wasn't so goddamn beautiful. And another one. I mean, it's like Marcus with load of groceries. Now we have fingering the rifle. <laughs> can, you, can we just come on? So is you know, it seems like the the it gives what you give it back. So if you're not scared, uh, this it seems like the Myers did it right. Yeah, they might. Uh, I mean, they might have. We have no idea. They might have. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We, because Garth could still be inside chomping on a cigar being like, get away from me, Edna. But Edna could be outside with a bunch of floating lights going like, no, no, no. That's what I was telling like, Henry. Is that, like, it would make a fantastic movie of the Myers moving to the ranch and then making friends with the aliens or yeah, whatever yeah, it is out there. Cocoon. I yeah, cocoon. Yeah, like, like batteries cocoon. not included. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And I freaking hate that. I already bought the the doll, and now I have to go buy batteries. Oh, now you're Literally, complaining about you're, batter the the concept of batteries. Batteries on. should always be included. None of this is even real anymore, Kissel. That is a complaint from 20 years ago. Yeah, when my mom <laughs> bought me a hovercraft that I could only use in the uh, washing machine, in the washing room. Washroom? What do you mm -hmm. call that? Laundry room? Yeah. Because it didn't have carpet and it had batteries. Wow, what a poor child you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about the Myers is that it is possible that they formed an actual positive relationship with whatever it is that's out there. But they decided to just not tell anyone for fear sounded like lunatics. Because mm. you got to remember, the Myers moved to this land in 1933. Oh. By the time the big UFO flap came to Utah in the late 60s, the Myers had been living on this land for over 30 years. If there was indeed something there, and the Myers were privy to it, they'd most likely made peace with it decades before. Mm. And what's more, they probably didn't even have the language or the cultural knowledge to describe what they were seeing. I mean, hell, Tom Gorman barely had the knowledge to describe what he was seeing. Right. No, he just, he grew a vocabulary. Yeah. Because he kept seeing as much of this shit, and he's just like, 
Yeah, there's the orange orbs and there's the blue orbs, and then you got the sombrero hats, and you got what apparently are we're gonna get into the portals to another dimension. Like he had to figure this shit out wow. piece by piece, mm-hmm. and that took a lot of brain power from a man. It seems to be most of his time is spent organizing his ranch and making cattle fuck. <laughs> well, that is yeah, that is a strange part of the job. Oh, when you're a they cattle do the rancher, artificial insemination. Yeah, when you're a cattle rancher, I mean, your two job, most of your day is spent looking for cattle and fixing fence. Looking for cattle and fixing fence. That's right. it. That's most of the job. It's just those two things over and over again. Let's go out. Let's go check the cattle. Let's go look for the cow. Where's right. the cow? I don't know. Get on a horse. Let's go find the cow. Oh, look, there's some fence that's fucked up. Oh, now we got to go right. fence this fix. So right. Now we got to fix this fence all fucking day well, long. Well, that that begs the question: Why'd you leave? <laughs> I mean, that just seems like a dream come true. Looking for cattle. I found the cattle right here. It's inside this noose. <laughs> Let's take this. No, it's very, but this is where what we have over the, uh, we have an advantage over any other UFO podcast that could possibly cover this story is that you actually know cattle people, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. big. Yeah, I love the, yeah, that's what I did before game. Yeah, exactly. No, we, we do have somewhat of an edge, I yep. guess, but it's just mostly the edge of knowing how fucking tedious this job actually is. Well, but you weren't like, the Bobby Benia, the cattle world, either, no, right? No, not the million yeah. bucks a year, that's for sure. Oh, no, I was not the Bobby Bonilla. No, I came to uh, New York City for a reason. Yep, <laughs> well, they didn't want you there, but that's okay. Not to harp on it too much, Red Dead Redemption. There's a whole friggin' hour where all you do is do the fences. Have yeah. you gotten to that part yet? No, of course You're not. You're going to hate it. Why would I want to do that? Why would you I want to do fix it for, fence for a fucking... Ugh. It doesn't matter. The worst part of the uh, job. Because yeah, a good hard work gets a good day's pay. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, for an example of the weird shit that Tom Gorman saw, the weirdest shit, take the orange structures. This uh, shit, man. Now, strangely enough, the most common phenomenon that the Gorman family witnessed was also the most spectacular. Over the two years they spent on the ranch, both Tom and his family saw a gigantic orange mass floating in the sky dozens of times. Now, does this not sound like the when we talked about last episode with the giant haystacks on fire mm-hmm. that they saw in the sky, which is essentially, you go and see, so for a while they just thought these were floating orbs. They thought these were just lights. Yeah. And they huh. said that the object changed shapes. Sometimes it appeared to be flattened and elongated. Other times it looked like a large orange setting sun. It looked almost perfectly round. Huh. But in the middle of it was what Tom described as, quote, another sky. Well, I thought you were going to say nipple. (laughs) But if you look at the, think about this shit, all right? Like, allow the Solaris soundtrack to enter your mind. (laughs) You're just sitting in a field again, looking for fields, and you look up, and you just see this boiling thing in the sky. Mm. It looks like boiling water. And it slowly spreads open. It spreads open. Gapes. It gapes. Oh, thank you. And you see another set of clouds in a blue sky inside of it. That's inside crazy. Inside of the pussy. It's not a pussy. It. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not a pussy at all. It's not a pussy at all. It's a butthole. All right. Very good. Again, is that your official term when you are on the street? I'm when you're on the street and move on, they're going to call move on and be like, your investigator was extremely crude, extremely crass. He continually said, I saw a flying vagina, and I told him it was not. I tell you what, I don't play. I don't play with these rules of yours, all right? But it's my thinking outside the box that makes me the best there is. <laughs> Uh, I didn't like the cigarette. There needs to be a great movie about a haggard MUFON investigator. Oh, yeah. Must happen. 
Well, Tom said that he could use binoculars to peer into the center of this object at night. And sometimes he could see a distinctly blue sky hanging there, as if there was a window into another world where it was daytime instead of night. So it was evening when he saw all of it. it was That's evening. crazy. Yeah, it was evening and he could look in the center and see a blue sky with clouds on the other side. He also tried staring at the object using the night vision scope on his rifle, and once he said he didn't see a window, but rather a kind of multi-layered portal that seemed to have depth. And inside the seemingly impossible structure, he saw a triangular black object growing in size, as if it was flying towards him. Ooh. Finally, the object passed through and disappeared into the night. Creepy. Yeah, dude. So the biggest question here is why didn't anyone else see a gigantic orange structure floating in the sky if it appeared dozens of times, especially since there was a public road only a mile away from the Gorman homestead? Good question, Marcus. Well, Tom said that the structure changed appearance depending on the angle. He discovered this one day when the object appeared as Tom was driving off his property. He noticed that the further he drove, the less visible the object became. And when he got off his property... It looked like nothing more suspicious than an orange cloud. You're literally driving away from the mouth of the portal, and it exists on a horizontal plane that seems to be facing the ranch. And so if you go around either sides of it, you're, you don't see the sides of it. You don't. It literally disappears from view. That's like, crazy. Like a two-dimensional object, sure. like a piece of paper. But when Tom turned around and drove back towards the house, the object became visible again. And he got all the way home before he realized that the only vantage point where the whole thing was visible was his own home. His house was fucking watching interdimensional television against their choice. They're sitting here watching. They, they are forced to do this. Tom, well, I just still feel like this. He doesn't want to do this. No. He doesn't no. want to be dealing with this. No. And But now you're getting drawn into the story because it's becoming very distracting. I yeah. would have gotten a ladder, climbed up there, see if I can't dive in. Well, the only thing that really bothers me about the orange structures is that if they were so big and they appeared so often, why were they never able to get like video or at least pictures of it? This is the 60s and here? You know, no, this is the 90s. This is the this 90s. 90s. You know, I really don't know. Because part of it is like, this is obviously always where you can put the big lump of skepticism in this, as being like, well, why didn't they document any of this shit? And partially, it could just be, number one, can it be captured on film? Because as many people, it's like, we're going to, in the next episode, we're going to talk about how skittish this, this shit is, with facing one of the most invasive, intense, paranormal research projects that has ever existed. Right. They, if Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he tried to it and it would dissolve. Or maybe he wasn't even thinking about it. Maybe he didn't want to take pictures of it. Maybe he's fucking locked in fucking staring at this thing like I was at the Elton John concert and I didn't get any pictures. Right. Because I was enjoying Rocket Man. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, I do know that there was one time where he said that he tried to videotape one of the lights. Uh, and he try and he said that he had to make a huge effort to even get what tiny bit of footage that he got, and right. even then it was just kind of lights. Well, you know, yeah, that's, that's the problem is that it's it's all and this is you know '90s equipment. Yeah. I mean, even now, if you try to take, I mean, try taking pictures of stars at night with your phone, which is you know, phones now are some of the most powerful cameras ever created. Yep. 
try, yep. or at least you know, for a consumer purpose, you know, try taking pictures of stars at night. I, try taking pictures of something in the distance. It's I still, always, it's not going to show up. I always say, uh, my phone is like the Hubble. You got a little <laughs> Hubble in your pocket. But it's interesting though, when he did take that footage, it actually was Elton John. Isn't <laughs> yes. that bizarre? He Incredible. actually was like, that's nuts. But I also wonder if there's a psychological human side to this too. Is if you take a picture of it, if you manage to capture it, it then becomes real, right? Now you are not, because up until this point, you still kind of have the uh, psychological escape hatch of, I'm crazy, right. I'm just seeing shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is just, or, or maybe, again, this is, this is if you believe Tom Gorman. Yeah. If you believe what he's saying, then you would you would start to talk about this, and because more so, but from my from my angle, it's being like, but also, why would he make it up? Because all it has done is since it ruined his cattle business and it made him have to sell his fucking ranch. Okay. Yeah. And there were also tests done uh, to see whether there were any hallucinogenic plants on uh, the property, whether the water uh, had some sort of hallucinogenic properties uh, contained therein, and nothing showed up. Nothing wow. like that. Also, nothing at all. No maybe bad you wheat. realize, maybe a part of it is that you realize that you're experiencing a profound moment in communication to another intelligence and it kind of uh, absorbs you and maybe that's what it is too i mean i just want it yeah mm-hmm. i just want it marcus well yeah I that's want a it, good marcus, point. and they won't fucking give it to me no they will yeah. never the, will no they never the will the men won't give it to me <laughs> never will so never he, will want it too bad he wants it too bad and well and this is going to be a question that we'll really explore uh, on mm-hmm. the next episode is uh is the wanting of it uh, does that ruin it Qui bono. <laughs> he did not benefit from this at all. Interesting. Live from your grave. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries, for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison to prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, regardless, while all these events were certainly disturbing to the family... None of them were particularly dangerous outside of the first incident with the wolf that we described at the end of the last episode. But all that changed when the phenomena turned its attention to Tom Gorman's prized cattle. Now, cattle mutilation is by no means special to Skimwalker Ranch when it comes to this area of the country, nor is it limited to just cattle. Cattle are just the common targets. Mm. Happens to horses, goats, sheep. Dogs, anything, any kind of animal around. Great, Marcus, great. 
What was the name of that one cartoon cow that uh, was in the that was Elsa? Elsie? Well, she was always getting picked on and stuff. Remember that? Oh, she was in the kids' books. No idea. What I, you're don't talking know, about, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's an animated cow. It's pictures of a cow. She used to eat are, all the grass. Are these just the books that are left out in the lobby of your psychologist no. when you go to the psychiatrist? No, I gotta call him. Actually, he's. A me. calm afternoon. Like it's all those books. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fine. I, I can do. I can get on the Google. Don't let and rage do control your life, says Beanie the Wonder Dog. You know. <laughs> well, during the 70s, the scourge of mutilations had become such a problem in nearby Colorado that a senator named Floyd K. Haskell got involved. Mm. He contacted the FBI to investigate some 130 mutilations reported by constituents in his home state. By the time the FBI report was released in 1979, they found that there had been some 8,000 mutilations in Colorado alone during the decade. And that was just what was reported. Most ranchers don't have the time nor the inclination to file a report every time an animal is killed. And even if they do, there's not much the authorities can accomplish. They just come out and go, yep, Yep. look at it, and then they leave. Yep, Yep. Yeah, because it's like, what can you do? You're just seeing, you're documenting it. But, you know, cattle mutilations are very interesting. It's some of the more actual physical evidence we have of UFO phenomena. And nobody has ever been arrested for cattle mutilation. Like well, it's a, there's never been a sort of like investigation done where we're like, okay, we can see that it's old Joe down the way and go arrest Joe down the way and put him in prison. That's never happened. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite restaurants in Atlanta has a horse on display like it was done up by Vincent D'Onofrio from the cell. <laughs> that it's got like a slices. It's like the, the, the bodies exhibit, but it's supposed to look delicious. <laughs> and you watch it. I'm, I love it, but I understand that that's not everybody's cup of tea. But you imagine, man, you're in prison there. Everyone's like the murderers, maybe thieves, maybe. And then you're in there for for cutting the eyeballs out of a cow. <laughs> I mean, that's like, what is that? I tell you what, you'd be surprised the market for horse assholes on the <laughs> yeah. internet. Does that garner you much respect or very little respect? I don't quite know prison rules. I would say very little. You think so? I'd say indifference. I would say gross indifference. That's good. That's respect. <laughs> Showing up, being like, being like. Yeah, I filled a duffel bag full of incised horse assholes. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Yeah, I murdered my family, so let's talk later. Yeah, okay. Well, some of the people who did report their mutilations, some of those people made headlines, as was the case with Snippy the Horse. Unfortunate <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Snippy the Horse. Well, Snippy, whose real name was Lady, they just oh. accident, They just erroneously reported it as Snippy in the original press reports. I don't know what, how they got Snippy and Lady confused, but yeah, they said it was Snippy. Horse's name, real name was Lady. They just made it up. They just made it up. That's, that's yep. false information coming from the news media. Well, Lady was found dead in 1967, skinned and defleshed from the neck up. Ooh, there was no blood at the scene. There was a strong medicinal smell in the air, and it looked to the owners as if the cuts had been done deliberately. Fuck yeah, dude. What was the name of the band that had the goat's head that you saw? Oh, Watain? Yeah, maybe it was those guys. Could be. Fucking doing that for a horse mask. Yeah, doing all this stuff, possible. But without even traveling to the scene, local sheriff, Ben Phillips, waved it all off by saying, animal probably just got struck by lightning. What? Why didn't you do that? Again, Whatever it was had completely removed the skin and flesh from just the head and the neck. I never heard oh. of that. I never heard lightning doing that before. No. Yeah, turning a horse into Ghost Rider. 
<laughs> well, the sheriff said this because there were no tracks whatsoever found anywhere around Snippy the horse. The only evidence they found that anything had been there was several small holes punched in the ground within a 100-foot radius. And they also found two flattened bushes. Otherwise, nothing. I can tell you where you can find one flattened bush <laughs> inside of my pants. <laughs> Really? Well, now, how long have you been I'm doing the show, Marcus? How long? Ten years? Ten, ten, nine, 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 nine years. Nine. Now look at that. And then, and then Henry just said, because you said flattened bushes. And then Henry said, ha, I, I know where you can find a flattened bush inside of my pants. And then we get paid. We have a Patreon. Thank you so much for giving to our Patreon. Yeah, man. I'm a professional comedian. I have an wow. audition for Ballers today. Wow, ballers. Wow. Yeah. wow. With The Rock. Yeah. I mean, he won't be there. No. And I'm certain he won't be there on set as well. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a three-episode arc. Who knows? Make sure you lead in with, uh, flattened bushes, huh? Flattened bushes, huh? Like, no, we never said anything. Oh, well, I, you can find a flattened bush. It's in my pants. And then just see how it works. Well, this total lack of evidence is actually very common among mutilations because the events are usually marked by a complete lack of struggle on the part of the animal. And the area is completely bereft of tracks, human or otherwise. It's like they just up and died. Hmm. Furthermore, according to cattle mutilation investigator Dr. George E. Onnit, scavengers completely avoid the carcasses of mutilated animals for days following their seemingly instantaneous death. And the Uinta Basin, where Skimwalker Ranch is located, has been home to dozens of these incidents. Most of them happened in the 70s. Mm. There were so many that Carl Whiteside, who had headed the Colorado inquiry, tried folding it into his mutilation investigation. Now, Whiteside wasn't too popular around the basin, as many ranchers remembered Carl as unbelievably rude and obnoxious. Get out of here. Well, you know what it is, too, is they, you forget how personally people hold these cattle. And oh, so yeah. they come in here as this kind of, they're trying to squash this case, but then, then people are looking at, it's like their kids are getting fucking cord. I would not say that. I, All right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm from New York Cat, City. Yeah, cattlemen do not have emotional attachments to their cows in any way whatsoever. I feel but, like you're, you discover, your father... Every once in a while goes out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Looks at the cows. He, yeah. He's got his favorite one. He gives them a little kiss. I mean, like, you, you're better than my son. Oh, <laughs> he would never say that to Marcus now. No. Only when Marcus was younger. <laughs> Before I became successful. Yes. Uh, by the way, I do have a mental update. I was able to get on the Google. Dare I say I used Bing. I'm protesting Google. Uh-huh. Ferdinand. Ferdinand. The cow. That's the name of the cow. <laughs> so you haven't been paying attention for the last 10 minutes. I, That's what you're doing, you know, I'm just sick of you criticizing me for lack of research. <laughs> um, when I did my research, I did my due diligence, and now I still can't catch a break? That's ridiculous, Henry. Ferdinand. Well, it may not come as a surprise that Carl Whiteside dismissed all the cases as just the product of overeager predators. And there was a whole, and there was another investigation that was done even wider. And the guy that they hired to do it, he was just some G man. He didn't have any uh, background in forensics or anything like that. He just went, looked out, uh, looked at these animals, like, yep, that's predators. And then that's been taken as fact for years. I see. It was a case closed type of situation, but the guy who did the actual study had no idea what he was actually doing. Okay. But what happened to Tom Gorman's cattle? can by no means be explained by something as simple as a coyote. And it all began with a mysterious disappearance. 
Snow was falling on the ranch one day while Tom was looking for a heifer that had broken off from the herd. The snow had made it easy for Tom to follow the animal's tracks, but as he was following those tracks, they indicated that the heifer had gone from a walk to a full-on sprint as if something was chasing it. But the thing was, there were no other tracks beside or behind the heifers to indicate that a predator had given chase. Hmm. And what he had said, you know, I read in the book, and tell me if this is true, Mark, is that a natural inclination for a heifer is to go and seek shelter. Right. It wouldn't necessarily run into a snowstorm as that a a cattle's normal thing would be to try to find a tree or find some place where it could hide so it doesn't get as much snow on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ferdinand actually used to eat roses. Which it's is not kinda, real. wasn't a real animal. Well, but it's all if you fame. think about I'm it, I'm sorry, though. I need to bust this for you. I'm That's just, fine. Don't be a skeptic. Cows can also be extremely erratic creatures that do shit for uh, no reason whatsoever. No, I know. Yeah, that yeah, that is that is also true. But yeah, naturally, okay. they, they will try to go. They will try to go somewhere. But yeah, cows do. They can act erratically uh, pretty fast all right. and can hurt you quite badly. I do not mess with them. Oh yeah, my dad broke his nose a couple weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago? <sighs> yeah, shattered the fucking Can thing. you get wow, him off the d- ranch? I can't believe how much money do you have to make to just be like, dad, stop going near the cows. <laughs> He's a cattleman forever. Jeez. And I think you're just born one of these people because Marcus... You can't be out in the cattle ranch getting no. your face busted in by these cattle. You got a sensitive brain. I you got to keep your brain active. I lasted about three months until I was like, I got enough of a tan. I got to go to New York. My father will not even get lobster in this in in the shell. <laughs> he is just like, I am retired. I am sixty six years young, and I'm not doing anything manually whatsoever. No manual labor ever again. Well, Tom kept following the tracks. Until finally he came to a clearing. And then the tracks just stopped. There was no cow to be seen. It was like the animal just ceased to exist on the spot. The only somewhat rational explanation was that a helicopter had chased the animal, somehow strapped it into a harness without any struggle whatsoever, and lifted a 1,000-pound animal off the ground, all without Tom hearing or seeing anything, and all in the middle of a snowstorm. That's what happens when you let Deputy Dewey from Scream run your police department. They're just like, let's go get a cow today. Why? Who knows? That was only the first of many many expensive animals that Tom would lose. But what happened to the rest of them was far more vicious, if not just as mysterious. The first mutilated cow Tom found, though, only had one wound. A hole had been drilled in the cow's left eyeball, but the creature was otherwise untouched, and there were no footprints or tire tracks nearby. The only thing present was a faint chemical-like odor. The cause of death on the next animal, though, would be painfully obvious. In April of 1995, Tom and Tad were on horses tracking cattle in the middle of a rainstorm. God, this must be so aggravating just to fucking do to begin with. Their lives are making me feel stressed out. (laughs) I don't even have to do anything. I sit. Oh, no, I never had to do it in a rainstorm or anything like that, but it's, yeah, it's it's a fucking awful life. It was rated as one of the worst jobs in America. uh, All I think about is city slickers. (laughs) Yeah, but it's been romanticized so much. It's not. It's fucking awful work. It's so awful. Awful. Well, I heard it was fun, but I guess it's not. <laughs> I... 
So they were chasing a wayward calf when Tad noticed a heifer stuck in the canal trying to get out. So he made a mental note, come back for it. And after him and his father caught the calf, Tad returned to the struggling heifer. But instead of the healthy animal he'd seen not 20 minutes before, he found a carcass with a six-inch wide hole cored out of its rectum. Hey there, Ferdinand. You just got gaped. Whoa, I don't remember reading that book. (laughs) What was even more disturbing was that even though it was raining, there should have been blood running down the street. I mean, there's a lot of blood. 20 minutes, you know? Like, even if it happened the second that Tad left, there still should have been some blood. But there was none. Nor was there any blood around what proved to be an almost surgical wound. It was like a circular saw attached to a sucking device had removed the cow's anus in one big chunk. What damn, are, damn, damn. What are the aliens looking for? No, man, because you get all those anuses, you get a nice, like, oh, this get some carrots and some onions, you get them going a little bit, get them kind of tender going on in there, and you get, some, you know, like you get some chicken broth, and you throw those anuses in there, you got some really nice poo-poo soup. I guess so. <laughs> poo-poo soup, indeed. Maybe the aliens are trying to make hot dogs of their own or something. <laughs> no, it is true that a scavenger will go for the butt first when it's eating an animal. Oh. <laughs> all scavengers do it. They go straight for the butthole. Really? Hey, call me a hyena, then. <laughs> we don't need to hear that. <laughs> and it's true. True that blood coagulates in the body after the death, which means there won't be as much of a bloody mess when a scavenger digs in. But Tad had only been gone 20 minutes, nowhere near long enough for the blood to coagulate and for a scavenger to find and completely munch out the anus in a perfect six-inch circle. Just cut to a random, just a, a random coyote, just, yeah, just no one knows just how coyote good fucking is. architect. Just Disgusting. Like, yeah, thank God I brought my compass. Finally, I can get a perfect circle cut out of this. The other coyotes are going to be so impressed. <laughs> so difficult to do without a tool. It's disgusting. <laughs> and this incident is consistent with other cattle mutilations in which the rectum has been removed. Although no autopsy was done on Gorman's cow, autopsies have been done on others, such as the case of Mr. Manuel Gomez of Dulce, New Mexico. Ooh. In that case, not only was the rectum missing, but the sexual organs were gone as well. Uh-oh. <laughs> Furthermore, they found that when they opened up the animal, the liver and heart were white and mushy with the texture and consistency of peanut butter. Do we know where Louis Anderson was during this time? <laughs> now, although it was just the rectum that was removed in the second mutilation of the Gorman's cattle, the third saw both the rectum and the reproductive organs. Can you stop? How many times do we have to say rectum here? A lot. It's cattle mutilations. Everything revolves around rectum. All yeah, right. Dude. I'll tell you where you find a flattened bush. Uh I know where to find it. (laughs) Well, the third saw both the rectum and reproductive organs completely scooped from the animal's body. The night before it happened, Tom had seen bright yellow lights flying silently around the area where his cattle were being kept. He rode out the next morning to check on them and found the aforementioned mutilated cow. But this one had other wounds just beside the scoop. One of the ears had been surgically removed, and right next to the shoulder was a pool of brownish liquid settling on the animal's hide, about two inches in diameter. 
The substance seemed to be quickly evaporating, so Tom just dabbed his finger into the small pool and said it felt cold. This goddamn A1 sauce. Oh. You're supposed to cook him before you put him and slather him in beautiful A1 sauce. Oh, yeah. Can you marinate? Goddamn, you alien zeppelins. <laughs> I do wonder if you started marinating cows when they're alive. Not if you just put it on the hide. It's no, not going to no, do anything, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's either Kobe beef, it's either Kobe beef or Wagyu beef where you massage the animal with sake. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that seeps mm. in, but. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't just marinate yet. <laughs> okay. And then Tom smelled the substance, and he said that it had a chemical smell that he didn't recognize. And we tried getting a sample of the stuff, but after going back to the house to get a container and come back, the substance was gone. And when Tom checked the wound in the rectum, he found that it was again six inches wide. But this one also extended 18 inches into the body cavity. Honestly, man, I'm having every guy in town drop trow, and I need to make sure that this is a UFO and not just some random perv. All right, it's, I find this very interesting because he said at night, this is how we knew it was going to happen. He started expecting cattle mutilations because literally what would be described as zeppelins with spotlights hanging out of the, bo- the bottom of them, he would see at night. Like, he would sit there and go like, that demon, watching these, these crafts go over his cattle and just shoot light down. By that point, they just knew we don't go outside at night anymore. Right. So we're not going to deal with this shit until the morning. Yeah, cancel the night walks for sure. Now, although the Gormans had been seeing some pretty weird shit, the phenomena had been happening mostly around them rather than happening to them. That all changed in the fall of 96. As Tom and Ellen were sitting on their porch one evening, trying to enjoy themselves, I can't imagine. They know. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> like literally, just like Tom, just like picking out his jeans, and Ellen being like, "So, what? What do you have for lunch today?" I mean, like, I had soup. <laughs> I had soup. Yeah, so that's good. Oh, cows are starting to scream again. Yeah. <laughs> Act like I can't hear it, Ellen. Act like I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing sadder than a couple trying to enjoy themselves. Yeah, and they noticed that the cattle and horses were getting restless. Tom looked in their direction and soon saw what was making them upset. A single blue orb was flying in the tree line next to the pens. Tom watched as the orb slowly flew around the horses' heads. Hmm. But as the orb got closer... The horses seemed calmer, downgrading their distress to annoyance, like the orb was just nothing more than a swarm of flies. Mm. But suddenly, with great speed, the orb left the horses, flew towards the Gormans, and stopped 20 feet in front of them, and just sat there, hanging in the air. Now that they got a good look at it, they said that it was a clear object with a hard shell, bigger than a baseball, but smaller than a basketball. And the blue color of the object seemed to be coming from the substance inside, which Tom said looked to be a liquid that was just starting to boil. And the object made a faint crackling sound, not unlike static electricity, which was the first time they'd ever heard an object make 
any noise. Cool. You get away from me and my wife, you phantasm stunt double. <laughs> oh, great movie, Tall Man. And Tom said that as they sat there watching it, both he and his wife felt the deepest, most visceral fear they had ever known. So deep that Tom said he felt like he was going to have a seizure. Oh. So not knowing what else to do, Ellen picked up the flashlight that was sitting next to her and just shined it in the direction of the orb. And the orb moved to avoid it. It oh. then darted off back to the tree line and vanished into the distance. This shit's so fucked so This really does creep me out because this this is a part of uh, alien abduction scenarios we hear a lot, right? When people say that they're confronted by an alien, a lot of times, or an entity, whatever the fuck you want to call it, I've heard the the reading about like the idea is that your back arches. You literally become a, a primeval version of yourself. It goes into your lizard brain where your body has a fear reaction where your fucking hair stands up and you literally become like a fucking scared monkey. Like you are almost paralyzed with fear. Mm, I would have gone the fainting goat route. Yeah, just fall over? Fall over. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, two hours later, the orb came back and started hovering outside the windows of their house. And as the object moved along the side of the house, the lights inside dimmed in response to its presence, then brightened again as it moved away. And finally, it took off, apparently satisfied with whatever the hell it wanted to know. I mean, all it did was just like, I scared the shit out of them. (laughs) Yeah. Scared the shit out of them. Good work, Orby. Good work. (laughs) You can see him just, they're just sitting in the fucking, their love seat. They're just, no one told you that life was be this way. Jarvis things are going great. He's like trying to watch friends as this orb is like getting closer and closer to the windows. And like, Just ignore it. We will enjoy the antics of Phoebe and Chandler. Absolutely. Oh my God. Remember the Rachel? Oh yeah. I remember there, that. yeah. Now, according to Hunt for the Skimwalker, the Gorman's blue orb might be completely unique in the annals of UFO and paranormal research. And furthermore, Gorman later proved, at least to himself, that these lights had a sort of intelligence. Hmm. One day, Tom was gathering hay when he saw a bright light that looked as if it was watching him. So Tom, fed up with this shit, threw down his pitchfork and took off running in the light's direction. You come and get me! You're gonna come and get me! You come and get me! You leave my children alone! Yeah, maybe the orb just liked to see a big, buff old farmer (laughs) working on the hay. I mean, you have to be muscular to do it. You do. Just Tom out there, just lifting his... I mean, he's got a gut, but... He is slurping on that Diet Coke, and all the orbs are just Whoa. watching him, sweaty, glistening in the sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. You should have seen me when I first moved to New York. I was like 15 pounds heavier than I am now, full of muscle, tan. Mm. Oh, yeah, Stop Marcus, I should have seen you. making me fucking stand up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Henry, I wish we would have seen Marcus. Buff and tan. Buff and tan had that good old, well, I just came off a tractor about two oh, weeks ago. Oh, I know ago. you did. I know you did. <laughs> and you got that fucking Bon Jovi fucking cow. Cowboy hat on still. <laughs> nice. Yes, indeed. So after Tom started running towards the object, the object darted out of sight behind the ridge. So Tom got the idea to hide to see if the object would come back. So he dove into a pile of hay and burrowed inside. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay good money to watch this man do that. Yeah. His little butts in the air. He's just like, I know <laughs> him. See, like see if I've been out, I'm here, but my farm camouflage. <laughs> And then he just waited. 
A few minutes later, the light came back from behind the ridge and flew low back and forth over the field like it was looking for Tom. So Tom stood up and started shouting and taunting the lights. You motherfucker! You come get me a big city light? You come get a taste of pure bread. Middle America man! Full of Mormon rage! I'm full of Mormon rage! (laughs) Yeah, buff. Yeah, flex for me, man. I like it when they get angry. I'm a horny orb. Fly from your grave. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Fly from your uh, in response, the object just blinked on and off a few times and then flew away. Now, this whole incident is important for a couple of reasons. One, it suggested that whatever these lights were had an intelligence behind them. Either the lights themselves were in control or someone was controlling them from afar. Mm. The other thing it suggested was that this phenomenon was not omnipotent. Because it didn't know that Tom was hidden in the hay. Oh. <laughs> like it's the fucking Three Stooges. Yeah. So it's like the hay seems to be walking with feet and has hands and a head. That's a strange haystack. Tick, 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 tick. Tick, 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 tick. Looney Tunes. But it's, uh, it's interesting because yeah. I, I wonder because it's, it's said like there, there's something going on here. For a while, Tom did think it was the government. Yeah. Like, he blamed the government. When he was first seeing the snub-nosed fake planes in the sky, he thought it would look like technology that we didn't know about yet. But it was finally when he started seeing the orbs that it was like, oh, maybe something more fucked up is happening. And the other thing is that Tom thought after this incident, he was like, well, it's not omnipotent. Maybe it was just fucking with him. Yeah, he can do some trickery here. Yeah, it could be that the orb wanted him to think, oh, let him think we're not omnipotent, so we're going to pretend like we're looking for him. Yeah, he's got to dress up like a lady. I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel like if you really want to do something trickster style, yeah. dress up like a lady. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a wig on in one of my wife's best dresses. I'm going to get a bottle of beautiful red. I like a Chianti, yeah. especially if you can get some kind of nice red meat going on there, and I'm going to set up a table with an Italian restaurant tablecloth on top of it with a vase and leave an empty chair with an empty dish next to it and see if it joins me for dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> I bet you Roger Stone is going to start doing that. I'm Rogetta Stone because he can't stop talking. <laughs> Wearing a wig and stuff. Well, Tom said that he had the feeling that this orb was sincerely looking for him. So he came to the conclusion this thing or these things, whatever they are, not omnipotent. Okay. But about a year after that particular incident, Tom found that there was far more than just lights haunting his land. 
So by the summer of 1996, even before the story came out in the papers, word was circulating that weird things were happening on Tom's ranch. Tom hoped that nothing would come of it, but his fear that the story would attract weirdos was confirmed when a large, blonde-haired stranger showed up at the entrance gate to his homestead. Ooh. Tom and Tad met the stranger at the gates, and the stranger told them that he'd heard, quote, on the grapevine, that this place was special, and he was wondering if it would be all right if we went out for a meditation session on Tom's land. Listen, I'm seeing you're you're very dirty, very used, workman's overalls on, and I know you're a busy man, but I got a mission. (laughs) I got to do some 20 minutes of meditation on your land, because if not, I'm going to start getting the spins. And have you ever seen a grown man spin with his fists fully extended? <laughs> it's like a character. Yeah, Tom uh, figured, why the hell not? You know, yeah, like, not. maybe we'll get yeah, a laugh like, out of this. Oh, he's like, fuck it. Maybe we'll get a laugh because Tad was there, too. Oh. And they kind of looked at each other. When this guy asked, like, can I meditate on your land? They just kind of looked at each other, smiled a little bit. It was like, all right, yeah, fuck it. Get in the truck. Let's yeah. go. So they took him out to... Uh, wherever the guy wanted to go and they made it about a mile when the stranger said that's the perfect spot right Stop near right that grove of trees this is where i'm most at peace <laughs> <laughs> all right so the stranger got out in front of the grove of trees sat down on the ground spread his arms out and began to meditate now, when he says meditate, does that mean we just punch him in the face a bunch? Or? <laughs> Tom and Tad, I mean, they could hardly keep a straight face this whole time. And they figured, all right, just give him a couple minutes and then we'll tell him to get. Like, it's fine. Whatever. But then, coming from the grove of trees, they heard something. It sounded sort of like a cowbell, like a chime, but none of Tom's animals wore cowbells. Hmm. Then they heard it again but nearer this time, and the stranger didn't seem to notice at all. Then, Tom noticed something moving between the trees, something big. Suddenly, that something broke from the tree line. It was broad daylight, but the creature was barely visible, as if it was hidden in the heat distortion of the day. It looked like fucking the Predator. Yeah. Ooh, cool. But what they could make out was that this entity was moving towards the meditating stranger at incredible speed. Who, 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 who? Meanwhile, this fucking, this guy from Los Angeles (laughs) is just in the field, just like, please let pilot season work out. (laughs) The energy of the Sherman Ranch, please fill me and let me book a 30-minute sitcom about a mailman. And this guy, this this creature is hoofing it towards him the entire time. Hoofing it towards him. Wow. And Tom was about to yell a warning. But just as he opened his mouth, the shimmering creature stopped inches from the stranger and let out an unearthly roar that sent the stranger backwards and screaming. Ooh. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yeah. It's crazy. Then within seconds, the creature vanished right back into the trees from where... From whence it came. And Tom and Tad ran out to help this poor hippie who was still just on the ground screaming. And when they got to him, the dude, I mean, they said this guy was 
big, big dude. He leapt up into Tom's arms and started weeping and wouldn't <laughs> let Tom go. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a huge man crying is hard to deal with. Yeah. Especially if you're not used to, like, you're Tom. You're not allowing yourself to feel a what, lot of emotion. Th- <laughs> this guy be like, oh, man. That was fucked up, man. Is, you you know grabbing at his fact. fucking overalls. They're wrestling back and forth. When you overwhelm someone who is not emotional, when you overwhelm someone who is not emotional with emotion, they're just like, you have about 10 seconds. They're just confused. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Because oh, Tom, yeah. like, Tom put up with it for like a couple of minutes. He tried getting loose and the stranger just All refused right. to let go. So Tom finally said, quote, if you do not let go, I am going to hit you. <laughs> the nicest response you can give from a yeah. cattleman. Yeah, and the stranger said, all right, I'll let you go, but you're only right, if you're you... Right, be- dude, oh, you're right, right, dude. I'm again, the predator was out there, man. You saw that shit, man. Yeah, he said, only under the condition that Tom take him back to the car immediately, because this land was cursed. Oh. But this was something that Tom had known for a long time. A couple of months before, he'd experienced something far worse than the scream of a cryptid. And this, this is a sad story. Yeah, this is, this is the part that's just like, whoa. Oh, this is very intense. In April of 1996, the blue orb had made a move. Tom was again sitting on his front porch, trying to relax. Mm-hmm. But this trying. <sighs> trying to relax. Yeah, it's having a Wednesday. Yeah. We're going to have a normal Wednesday today. We're going to have a normal Wednesday no matter what the fuck happens. Okay? No That's stress. What we're no stress at all. And he's out there with his three dogs. He had like three little blue healers, cattle dogs, great little dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then he noticed one of the orange structures appearing in the distance. And by this time, these things had become pretty routine. So Tom decided... I'm just going to ignore it. Nice thing. I don't even see it. I don't even see Joke's on you. Joke's on you. I don't see you. I don't see you. I'm relaxed. I feel relaxed. But suddenly, he saw another object amongst the orange. The blue orb that had terrorized him and his wife had returned. Mm. The dog started growling. So without really thinking... Tom let him loose. So well, so what it. he said no. up until then, what he said up until then was that like he actually ha- would purposely save the blue orbs from his dogs. He's like, these were working dogs. They could they could scare the shit out of cattle, and they were fucking. They could attack. They can do this thing. So finally, he's like, all right, yeah, you fucking go get them. Go get them, boys. Mm-hmm. So the dogs chased the object down. They started leaping up in the air. They were trying to bring it down to their level. But the orb seemed to be deliberately teasing them, kind of going down, coming back up, going down, coming back up. Then the orb started moving away, leading the dogs to some tree cover out of Tom's sight. The dogs followed, and soon, to Tom's horror, the barking he heard turned to three sharp yelps of pain, then silence. I don't like this blue orb one bit. Tom waited for two hours outside the tree line for the dogs to come back because he, there was no way in hell he was going to go into that tree cover at night. So the next morning, he woke up early to see if he could figure out what happened. But all he found in the trees was the smell of burnt flesh and three brown circles of grass, each one marked by a black Greasy mess. Oh my god. The shit exploded the dogs. Whoa. It was around this time that Tom decided he might need some help. 
The Deseret News out of Salt Lake City got wind of his story and published an article in June of 1996 that had a simple message from Tom. I want this to stop. Yeah. And if you read that original article, it's really interesting to see the tenor of it. Very. Because it really is. These people are fucked up. Crazy. They did not want to talk about this shit. They were, but finally, they're like, "Well, we just need somebody to come because they were fucking house poor. They had put all of their money into the ranch, and they were fucked. It's very difficult to move this kind of land. And I, now it's like, what the hell do we do? We need somebody to come and figure this shit out. It right. literally exploded my pets. Wow, yeah. it exploded my pets. Yeah, and that's it, not good. And it just so happened that a fantastically wealthy businessman with an interest in the paranormal named Robert Bigelow Uh-oh. saw this message and figured that this case was perfect for his new venture. The National Institute for Discovery Science, most commonly known as NIDS. NIDS. <laughs> Follow the Bigelow, boys. Wow. And that's where we'll pick back up next time for the conclusion to our story on Skimwalker Ranch Part 3. NIDS, 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 NIDS. I'm very excited to go into well, the life of... Let's call him Bobby Bigelow. Bobby, Bobby Bigelow. Bobby Bigelow. Bobby Bigelow. Well, I say, I he had... is a very interesting figure in ufology, and we're going to learn a lot about him. We're going to learn a lot about how uh, they invested quite a bit of money into researching Skinwalker Ranch, will then be known as one of the most in- insanely uh, thorough investigations of a, of a paranormal story in the history of time. I love it, man. I can't recall a tale with such crazy stories. So many things on one plot of land. And really, everyone, like, go read The Hunt for the Skimwalker. It's a fantastic it's book. It's so, it's well-written. Uh, it's well-paced. Uh, it, it's everything you want in a paranormal book. It gives a lot of great background in a lot of different ways. Uh, will... And we're only telling a few of the stories here. We can't tell every single story. And they do even put every single story in the hunt for the wow. skin. But remember this, and I do say this. That's why I like it. Pl- uh, that's why I like it paired with the Frank Salisbury book. Yeah, because you could see the other side too. The Hunter for Skinwalker. It's obviously exa- there are exaggerations. Yes, there's obviously. stuff that's kind of built in, kind of trumped up. But the the heart of the story is there, and I just love George Knapp. Mm-hmm. All I right. just fucking love me some nap. I just listen to him, man. Old episodes. If you want to hear some cool stuff, and you have a coast to coast. Uh, subscription. Listen to the Art Bell with George Knapp uh, and Colm Kelleher when the uh, book first came out, and it's great. All right. Well, yeah. be sure to tune in next week. Yeah. And same yeah. bat time, same bat channel. Remember that? Oh. Remember that? <laughs> From our uh, childhood. Remember Walker that. Ranch Part 3. And, you know, George Knapp, yeah, it, it must be said that he has some uh, not quite so, I guess you would say, um, Good connections to people like uh, Bob. Like he's connected to Bob Lazar. His job is to put butts in seats. He's selling the story. But I do believe that George Knapp is a very thorough investigator, but he definitely does a lot from memory. Absolutely. Uh, Which you're going (laughs) to. All right, everyone. I want to thank everyone for giving to our Patreon. This week, Henry Henry Zabrowski and Benjamin Kissel. That's me. We interviewed this dude, Robert Murch. He is the chairman of the board of the Talking Board Society. Yeah, cool. So that's a 
great accoutrement to our Ouija board episodes. He was really um, complimentary of your research, Marcus, and yes. we oh. asked him to tell us where we were wrong, and he said that he enjoyed all of it. All oh, great. Of it. Oh, yes. thank you very nice. much. Um, so if you give that. to our Patreon, you'll be able to get that interview, and thank you all so much for giving to our Patreon. Uh, let's see, we have a couple of things. Uh, I believe Nashville has sold out. Nashville has sold uh, out. Our show here in uh, in BK, in Brooklyn, that has sold out, but we got some tickets available. Cincinnati and Cleveland and P- uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's right. All three of those, they're going real fast, but uh, those they're still uh, still available. So get on out there and get those tickets, and we can't wait to see you at those places. March 30th in Cincinnati, March 22nd in Cleveland, and March 23rd in Pittsburgh. All of those shows are available for sale at lastpodcastontheleft.com. Go get your tickets now. Can't and we'll wait see to see you. We'll see you all out there in about a month. For those of you that are interested in seeing just me, which I mean, I see all of us, but I'm actually appearing in Atlanta March 1st and 2nd at Dad's Garage Theater doing some fucking improv. Wow. Hey, so come see right. me do some bullshit. Wow. Zip, zap, zopping it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. I'm going to be making it up. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, there's no way you're going to make anyone uncomfortable with one of your freelance bits. <laughs> no way. No <laughs> way, buddy. No. And thanks for, I'm doing that dumb little talking head thing on Travel Channel. That's been really stupid and fun. So thanks for the nice little uh, comments on that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't go in that house. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. That's a road. I, I do s- this. Hey, man, we're what? thankful. I know you do. We're thankful for this. Yes, I know. We are all collectively working, though, to build the brand in our own different, you know, our prong. We're putting many prongs in. After the book's done, I'll have other things. I'll have things to tell you people about. You don't want to do anything else. You literally, you are. Anyway. Um, um, well, thank you for joining us. We're excited. We're going to fucking get more into this. I love being in the world of paranormal, man. It's so much fun. I fucking miss it so bad. It really, make, it really gives life a little bit more color when you're studying all this paranormal stuff. It really is so yep. much fun. Feel bad for the cows. They're always on the uh, losing end here. And the dogs. And the dogs. And the oh dogs. My. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Instagram, Ben Kissel one Dr. Fantasty. Twitter, uh, your Instagram, Henry, is... Um, it's Dr. Fantasy. Oh, I thought that was... What's your, what's your Twitter? Oh, no. That, no, my Twitter is Henry Loves You, that's but I, don't, right. I barely check it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And Marcus Parks is Marcus. I don't do anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> help you on the line. Right, Hail everyone. Satan. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. And now again. Magustalations? Hail me. Watch. Look out for your cows. Always. That's my new saying. Look out for your cows. Look out look for your out cows. Look out for your cows. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, today we delight in the story the only path to happiness that exists in this life. The story must be told. And now, a brief reading from the book of Burning Buildings titled, 14 Dogs. I own 14 dogs and this is how they all died. Strong Anthony got sucked under a street sweeper, bristled eyeless, bristled to goo. Rawfoot choked on all the coins I made him swallow. Tantam and Tampon ascended to heaven, body and all. The rest died from eating expired dog meat, but I wasn't wasting it, no sir. Don't tell me how to raise my dogs. The man sat there in his own filth, waiting to be told anything, but he was alone. It began raining outside, and he heard the location of each hole in his Swiss cheese ceiling. The sun set, 
He didn't like candles. Despite the soak of the rain, the filth did not subside. Months passed, and organ failure, by organ failure, his body did give up. The filth replaced each dead cell from his toes to his eyelids, so he petrified a filth statue for a forgotten Pompeii. The story must be told is a spiritual experience. And it is your life forever now. A new story is released every Tuesday. Repent and subscribe. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Priscilla. This smells like houses in the Hampton Champagne Toast down in Brazil. Smells like anything you think could happen, probably will. Explore the new Glade Fresh Collection today.